Well, you can almost hear the umpire yell out, play ball. Again, I was wrong, and we'll get into that here in just a few moments. But good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I am Dave Mitchell, and tonight we're going to sit back and talk about the return of Major League Baseball for the year 2020. And, of course, the return of the Cincinnati Reds and the Cleveland Indians, as we do each and every week. And in order to do that, we've got to bring in our resident Reds expert, Blake Watson. Blake, I will admit when I'm wrong, and I was wrong last week when I predicted we weren't going to see baseball. Still a chance we may not, but at least they've got an agreement that they're going to start playing here at the end of the month. Uh, We're going to see baseball short of a crazy, ridiculous spike in COVID. And I think even then we're still going to see baseball. Um, Yeah, that kind of happened the way I expected it to. The one thing that's surprising me is you haven't heard more players out and say they don't want to play. There's been a couple, but I've been, I've been a little surprised by the fact that how quickly they said, yeah, we'll show up on July 1st. Yeah, I, I mean, there's been more NBA players that have come out and said that they don't want to start playing at the end of the month than baseball players have. Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with that bubble situation down there in um, Orlando where, you know, if you've been in the league for less than three years, you're not even allowed to bring a guest. And if you, you know, you can't bring your kids. And there, there's a, the bubble thing is just a little bit crazy to me. From a, from a logistical perspective of getting the games in, it makes sense. From a personal mental health standpoint, it's absolutely ridiculous. Okay, 60 games. Is that enough? Not enough? Not, I mean, too many? What do you think? I mean, it's definitely not too many. Um, I would err on the side of saying it's not enough, but it is what we're getting. Um, I, you know, I, 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 this has kind of become my calling card to say on this show. Uh, so far in my tenure has been, I'm the eternal optimist and I think, you know, 60 games, we get 60 games and that's what we get and let's enjoy the 60 we get. Um, there's no reason to cry over the fact that it should have been, it probably should have been 81 split the season down the middle. Um, but it is what it is. 60 games is what we're going to have and 60 games is what they're going to play. So enjoy the 60 games you get. You know, the old saying, I think it was Earl Weaver that first came out with it. He said, uh, in an 162-game schedule, you've got 50 games that you will win, 50 games that you will lose, and it's what you do in those other 62 games that will determine whether or not you've got a good baseball team or not. Well, I don't know how you're going to split up 60 games as far as that's concerned, but, boy, the statistics are really going to be skewed this year. Without a doubt, and that was going to be the case no matter how many games they really played. So we were ne- after, you know, a month or so of, of quarantine, 162 wasn't going to happen. Um, and, and anytime you're not going to get the full 162, then, you know, it, it looks different. And the forever, the base back of the baseball cards will look different. The records will look different. Somebody might hit 400 this year. Obviously, that's not going to count. Um, it's just, again, it's, it's, it's the best of ovation is the way I look at it. And, it was never going to be good, but at least they're going to play. Well, the one thing that is official as of right now, the fans will not be allowed in the stands. So Major League Baseball for 2020 is going to be an entire television sport for the season. And 
I think that is going to bode a very difficult endeavor for years to come in Major League Baseball. And the reason I say that, Blake, is because television has already put its hooks into things where they don't like the amount of amount of times to the mound that the catcher makes, the pitching coach makes, how long it takes for a pitching change to make. They've already got their hooks in that where they've, they've changed it from the reliever having to face three batters instead of just one at a time. It's a crazy situation, but now what you've got is with TV entire, putting their entire hooks in everything, especially with that new billion-dollar contract with TBS and TNT, you're going to see this game change probably a lot over the next 10 years. Well, in reality, with with the changing world that we live in, baseball needed to change. <clears throat> you look back at the original game, and, and while the measurements of the bases are still the same, the pitcher's mount still basically the same, the game has changed tremendously. Um, it's, you know, it, it, it changes every year, changes every decade. The game that we're watching today is not the same exact game I grew up with watching in the 90s. The, you know, the launch angle and the home runner strikeout, the three true um, ends to an at-bat strikeout, the walk or the home run. Um, yeah, that wasn't even a thing back in the 90s and 80s. And, you know, you go back to the, even the dead ball era. thing. Baseball just changes over time. There's eras of the game, and we're entering a new era. We're entering the era that, can you know, you want to call it the TV era, the television era? That's fine with me. Um but there, there are ways that baseball can make their TV broadcast better without changing the game. I think something that needs to happen is it needs to be encouraged to do some of the celebratory things that have long been frowned upon in baseball um, without the the magnitude, like without the worry of getting plunked in your next at bat, right? Because no one wants to. If you're going to hit a guy intentionally right now, that's going to be a big-time suspension because just say, you know, Derek Dietrich is the big one because he always does the, the, the pimping of the home runs or whatever, but if he gets clunked on the hand and misses 12 games, that's like 10 12% of your season. You can't do that this year. You, that can't be a thing this year. Um, and I think they're going to have to try to find ways to manufacture excitement in an arena or in a stadium without, you know, fans. And I think that can be a way to do it. Well, the thing that you brought up, the where there's been different eras, you're absolutely correct. There's been different eras. But it's the way the game has been played that has dictated those eras that you just mentioned. It really has not been anything that has had to do with rule changes other than back in the 70s when they instituted the designated hitter. That's really the only rule change coming up in, until this season that baseball has instituted. Now they've made the reliever rule that's in place. The other rule that I really don't like, and I'm despising, believe it or not, is the extra innings rule where they put a guy at second base to the begin to begin every extra inning. Now, baseball's a numbers game. Would you agree with me? Without a doubt. Baseball is a number. It always has been. It's always been stats laden. How do you score that guy standing at second base? It's actually in the so in the software that we current that we use the college level. It's really easy. Okay. So the way the way the college rule works, and this is again not the I don't I haven't read the exact ruling of the way they're doing it in Major League Baseball. Whoever made the last out of the previous inning starts the next inning at second base. So. Okay. 
the way you do it is you, you it's just a code you punch in for that player and it automatically puts them at second base. Okay. Um, so it's- scoring it that way is actually relatively easy. What it's what it's called uh throughout and this is more of a softball rule than a baseball rule. Um, it's called, they call it the international rule. It's an international tiebreaker in, in softball around the world. Um, and, and the idea behind it, I actually like. I don't like that it's, it's gonna change, you know, it, it can affect who wins and loses a game and who, you know what I mean? That doesn't, if you get lucky, just say you're the Reds from four years ago and the guy that made the last out the year before, or the inning before is Billy Hamilton, then the game's over. Like, he's going to steal third, and you're going to bunt him in or whatever. The game's over. If it's Joey Votto and he runs, like, a, a Mack truck, then it, it doesn't really help you. You know what I mean? So right. I, I, that I don't like. But the idea, because of, you know, limited rosters and the fact that you don't have all these minor leaguers and you can't, you know, the pitchy staffs are going to be taxed because they're not as prepared to throw as they would have been should it, you know, should we have gotten a full season in. Um, the, the idea of having a 20 inning game is just, it's mind boggling. It doesn't make sense. Well, um, the, the, the best time I've ever had at the ballpark, and I'll be honest with you, is when a buddy and I went to Jacobs Field at the time. Now it's Progressive Field, I know, but it went to Jacobs Field. I think it was, I, I gotta say it was probably 96, maybe 97 that we went there. The, the stadium had just opened a couple of years previous to that, and we were playing the Minnesota Twins. That game, Blake, went 19 innings. We sat there for every pitch of those 19 innings. It was a Sunday afternoon. We both went to church together. Our wives were extremely upset at us because we would not come home. We were going to sit there and watch that baseball game entirely. It was the most fun I've had at a baseball game other than taking my dad to the July 3rd, July 4th uh, doubleheader against the Yankees at the old stadium. But nonetheless, I mean, that's one of those games. I mean, baseball is not designed to play by the clock, and TV wants you to play it by the clock. Without a doubt, you are 100% correct. I remember an 18 or 19 inning game a few years ago that the Reds had, and this was more than a few years ago, where Aaron Harang came in from the bullpen and he threw like seven or eight innings of relief. Yeah. And his career was never the same after that. He struggled the rest of that year to get, to get back to where he was. I don't know why. I don't know what the impact was, but he, he was not the same after that. He was really good for the Reds for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but similar to I personally, and you and I are baseball guys. We love that stuff. That's awesome to us. We, we love the intricacies of a 19 inning game and figuring out who's going to throw that 19th inning and who's the, who's the third string emergency catcher because you got a pinch run for the catcher in the 17th inning and what position player can throw a knuckleball and, and keep guys off balance. Like those are things that we love, but for average fans, they don't want to see a five and a half hour baseball game. They just don't. And TV hates it. They have, and, and yeah. The money that's spent in baseball and is now TV, and it is not you and I. You and I go to games because we love baseball. Other people go to games because they enjoy the environment. They enjoy everything else but the game. They enjoy, you know, having the beers. And if you can't sell beer after the seventh inning, why am I there in the 18th? Right. Um, right. So there's a, I, I understand from – baseball's perspective why they would do that i get it i don't love it 
because I'm a baseball, I'm kind of a purist like you. I'm an, I'm an old school. I love the, you know, the history of the game. But in this, in this special scenario season, I think it makes a lot of sense. But would you agree or disagree that there are a lot of other things that they could do in extra innings rather than do something as, and I call it gimmicky, of putting a runner at second base? For example, anybody that has played and been taken out of the game can reenter. Just have the reentry rule in extra innings. It, it wouldn't take much for that. Um, you, you could do that. Um, you, you eliminate totally, uh, uh, you know, having a, uh, that way you eliminate the possibility of having a third string catcher. Okay. You could even bring in another pit, a, a pitcher twice if you wanted to. Now I don't, I know in this year of where pitchers are, you know, they, they hold them to a, a standard pitch count, which I think is crazy, but nonetheless, they still do. You know, then they'd probably come up with a reason, well, they've already thrown an inning. You're not going to have them two hours later come back into the ball game. I get that. I understand it. But that's something that a manager is going to have to deal with. I just think there's a lot of other things, Blake, that you can do rather than do something as gimmicky as putting a guy at second base. I would agree with you, but I don't think any of those things would help you limit the length of the game like the uh, international rule will. Um like I like the reentry rule. Obviously, I coach you know mm-hmm. level you know high seventeen year old baseball players, but and it works for us because you know four of my guys that are playing the field are also pitchers. Right. At the big league level, once a guy throws, he's done. So the only place that would really help you is on the mound. Um, the one thing that I would I would have thought would have been kind of cool with this scenario is. Kind of like what the NFL does with, you know, you have a 53-man roster, but you only have 45 on game day or whatever it is. If, you know, with these 30-man rosters, I think what they're going to end up with, with the 20 or the 30-person taxi squad, I think that's what it would have boiled down to, right? Yeah. Um, I would, I would have liked if, you know, maybe you can put two or three pitchers in uniform that aren't on the roster, but can only be utilized if it's an extra inning game. Something like, okay, I, I get where you're going with that. Something like what the NFL does with the backup, the third string quarterback. If the first string quarterback can't play anymore, then the third string quarterback is allowed to come in. Yes. That, something like that I would be, I would have been okay with. Yeah. But even then, I don't think that, I mean, that helps you get through those super long games, but it doesn't help shorten those super long games. And the reality, that's what it's, the, the idea of this rule is the idea of the rule is to shorten the length of extra any games and it's going to work. Like there's no doubt that you put a runner on second with nobody out. Teams are going to find a way to score. Him. Um, well, and, the, one thing, the one thing it does right away that I'm thinking of, of course, this is my old school philosophy. The first thing you're going to do is bunt. Well, get him exactly. over to third. It, that's why I, that's one of the reasons I don't love it is because it depends on where you are in your lineup. If you've got a runner on second and Eugenio Suarez is at the plate, you're probably not bunting because the guy's never bunted in the big leagues before. Um, but if it's a guy that can that, that that brings more that can bring more strategy and more thinking into the game, do I pinch hit for him there? Do I put a pitcher out there who I ask to bunt four times a day a game? I might. You know what I mean? I might stick a guy out there that's more comfortable bunting, and then if we don't score that run, then you lose Suarez for the game. That's one of the reasons maybe the, the reentry rule would be good, something like that. Um, 
but that, that, that just brings more, just more yep. thought in the game. With, with losing the DH, you're going to lose a lot of that small ball National League historical game. And I think that this might help bring a little bit more of that in late innings. Um, I, I would, I would hate if they do that in the postseason. Then again, yeah. who wants to play one set of rules in the regular season and a different set in the postseason? So, well, from what I, I understand, I, they're not no, going to do it in the postseason. And, and to me, it, like, I don't want to have two different sets of rules, but to me, that makes sense. Um, regular season games don't need to last five hours. Like, I love baseball more than anything in the world, but I'm not watching a five-hour baseball game on the TV from my house. Now, if I'm in the stadium, I'm going to enjoy every pitch. But from the house, and I'm, I'm going to find other things to turn on. Do, do you think there will come a time? I mean, okay, let, let me get into this this facet of it because – uh, before we get into the problems that they're going to incur, you know, the schedule is going to be 60 games. Now, the way I understand it, the Central is going to play the Central in the American and National League. The East will play the East. The West will play the West. The way they're going to split it up is you're going to play 40 games of the 60 inside your division. So if you're the Reds and the Indians, you play 40 of the 60 games inside your own American League or National League Central Division. Then you play the other 20 games by playing the other team's central division squads, the play down at Great American Ballpark. I was I had already told my son up in Chicago, hey, keep an eye out for the tickets to field and watch a game. So when the Indians were going to Chicago, I wanted to go. Now I find out they're not going to allow anybody in the stands. Do you think there'll come a time this year where they will allow anybody in the stands? It, it'll all be predicated on on what happens with COVID. I think if if everything continues on the path that we were on a couple weeks ago before these spikes. And obviously here in Ohio, the spikes aren't near what they are in, you know, Florida and Texas and some other places. But I think, I think they want to bring fans back into the stands. I think by the playoffs, you're looking at the uh, stadiums that are 30% full. Well, and, see like, that, and that brings me to my point, Blake. I agree with you, but we brought this up kind of last week. They could have gone ahead and played. An 81-game schedule. Gone ahead and just played 81, a half a season. And the reason I say that is the home field advantage without anybody there is not a home field advantage. So you just, you move the games, you move the games out of Cleveland, Cincinnati, and you move the, if it's going to be a televised sport, then move them to a place where it's a warm weather stadium or a dome stadium in the playoffs or World Series and go ahead and play into December if you want to. Travel alone is what is the the biggest issue for home field advantage. People can, especially for baseball, because outside of a pitcher getting a big out in a big spot and being jacked up by the the, the fans, the, the momentum in baseball is all about who's throwing the ball next, who's your next pitcher. Um, so travel will have an impact on, on that, and I think that matters. But as far as you know, the real home field advantage, I don't think. I don't think home field advantage matters nearly as much as baseball in baseball as it does in other sports. Just well, the, the, the the momentum swings aren't as severe because of the crowd noise. Like crowd noise doesn't have a huge impact on uh, an opposing team like it does in football, right. where you know if, if you're loud enough, you can get the offensive line to jump off sides or make it really hard to call a play. Or I mean, you can make it hard for the other team to concentrate, maybe, but. In reality, if, if a hitter's locked in, it doesn't matter what's going on around him. 
Like I, I, I tuned um, personally when I played, I tuned everything outside of the pitcher out anyway. I didn't know what was going on. Right. Right. And so, I, I, I can see it not really making that big of a difference, and I don't think it historically has anyway. Well, in your case in point, last year's World Series between Washington and Houston, neither team, the home team lost every game. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it doesn't make any sense. But here's the problem I think baseball is going to have. If you look, and I saw this earlier this afternoon, if you look at the top seven states right now, that have had over the last, and I'm just bringing up the last seven days, okay, the last week, the most outbreaks of COVID-19 of those seven states, you've got Arizona, California, and Texas. Texas has got two ball clubs. California has got four ball clubs. You've also got Arizona that's got one ball club. You've got New York who had the most cases of everybody, and right there, you've got two ball clubs in that area. If this thing breaks out, like some scientists say, we may not even get to 60 games. I doubt it. I don't think we they'll cancel the season, but nonetheless, I mean, you've still got a lot of players, Blake, that came out over the weekend that they found out that they were, I mean, they're going to test these guys twice a week. And they've got such stringent rules coming into the ballpark and leaving. They don't even want them showering, Blake. They're, they're, they're saying you can shower after the game, but they would rather you not and just go back to your hotel and shower. Yeah. I mean, but that's, that's the rules we have to play by right now. Yeah. It, I, I, you know, nobody likes it, but I don't like that I have to wear a mask and take my temperature every time I go to work either. Um, I don't like that I have to stand six feet away from my friends when I'm at work and can't give them a Most handshake. people are thankful you're wearing a mask, Blake. Let's be honest. You're not wrong. Um, <laughs> but it's, everyone has to adapt to the way their working life is right now, and that's mm-hmm. just the same thing for baseball players. And, and excuse me if I don't cry for millionaires. No, I agree <laughs> with you. You know, Yeah, I just – to me, at, at almost any sort of – Thing they put in place to keep them safe and keep the game going, I'm okay with. Well, the one thing baseball has done right, you know, I, we've sat here and we've we've talked about some of the things we think they're doing wrong. The one thing they've done right is the first game of the season that they're going to play is July 23rd. It will be the Washington Nationals and the New York Yankees. Max Scherzer going up against Garrett Cole. Yeah, that's going to be awesome, and that's that's. It, it, the ratings will be astronomical. Yeah. Um, and, and they, they, one, the, the whole thing about this fight to get to this point has been ridiculous. But now that we're past that, uh, they're starting to check off a lot of boxes and do things correctly. Yep. Um, I think, you know, I don't like the, I, I don't like what the NBA is doing with the bubble city. And I don't like, the, I wouldn't have liked if baseball had done that. I think that's worse on players mentality than that and their mental health than what would have been, um, playing in your home city, but being kind of stringent about what you can do before and after games. You can still go to your home. You know what I mean? When you're at home, you can still see your family. You take that risk. But you can still see your family. Actually, I think there's less risk for them than anybody else in the world because they're going to be so much tested. They're going, 
it's not like baseball players for the most part, especially the higher level guys, they ain't going to Kroger on Tuesday night before a game on Wednesday morning. Like that's just not the way that works. Um, they have, you know, their food brought to them and the, the, it's just, there's going to be less risk involved with them than there currently probably is with them going out and working out with random people and being, you know what I mean? Things yeah. like that. It's, it's just, I think it's, in reality, I think it's probably the safest here's, uh, type here, of environment they can be in. Here's the one thing that I, I hope, and we haven't got the schedule yet, and I haven't heard anybody talk about this, but I hope Major League Baseball is smart enough to implement more day baseball games. Not all of them, but more day, day baseball games during the week because, and this is my, my, my logical reason for this, you were, you would be able to see more players. You'd be able to see, for example, Mike Trout. If he played an afternoon baseball game, and let's say, you know, because of the three hour difference out in California, they start the game at two. It's at five o'clock here on the East Coast. When people get home from work, if they are working, they could turn on the TV and they could see Mike Trout play before the Indians and the Reds play, for example, at eight o'clock at night. There's nobody coming to the stadium anyway, so why not do it? They did say that there, none of the West Coast games will be 10 p.m. East Coast starts. Good. So they will start probably at the latest at four or five on the West Coast, which is a good thing. Um, so you won't have that 10 o'clock, you know, typical, you know, as resident Indians fans, we, the West Coast trip where we stay up till two o'clock in the morning watching the teams play. You won't have to do that to watch West Coast games, which is nice especially with the best player in baseball and probably the best team in baseball on the West Coast. Who do you think? Oh, the Dodgers? Yeah, the Dodgers are the best team in baseball, especially given this format. On paper. Given this format, get another bat in the lineup, and I think they'll find a way to acquire a starting pitcher. I think they're I think they're the best team, at least in the National League. Um, well, But I also, I also think the Reds are probably second-best team in the National League, so. Let's talk about the Reds and the Indians and that 60-player pool that they have got right now to choose from to pick players that will play on their 30-man roster for the regular season. Now, Blake, the Reds made a tremendous amount of moves. The Indians did, too. Not as many name players as the Reds did. So narrow it down to one player that you are looking forward to, one new Reds player that you're looking forward to seeing most of all? Uh, probably Nick Castellanos. Um, I just think he really fits what the Reds needed. He's gap-to-gap power. He puts the ball in play. He hits a ton of line drives. He's going to hit a ton of home runs in that ballpark. Um, and the Reds haven't had, outside of Suarez, they haven't had a really good right-handed bat in a long time. Um, seems like over the over the years our best hitters have always been left-handed. Um, and I think that's going to be him. I love Moustakis too. You know what? I take that back. I think the one I'm most excited to see is probably Shogo Akiyama, um, because he's the one that's the most unknown. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that could take the Reds from being, you know, the second best team in the National League Central to the best team in baseball. Um, if he's a legitimate leadoff hitter and, you know, can hold down center field the way we expect him to, I think the Reds are going to be really, really good. Um, 
The guy that I'm looking forward to seeing the most for the Indians is Cesar Hernandez. Now, a lot of people don't know who he is, but Cesar Hernandez is a 24-year-old outfielder that the Indians picked up in a trade uh, from San Diego, and he came there via uh, Milwaukee. But I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Blake, this kid is a diamond in the rough. If he can really, he had 27 homers last year for Seattle, and he was unknown to everybody. And he will fit into that left field spot that the Indians have right now uh, fairly successfully and probably move into the five or six hole in the batting order. Now, he doesn't fit the bill like I thought Nick Castellanos does, and he doesn't fit what a lot of people think of Nick Castellanos, but he could be, by the end of this 60-game season, be one of those players that was a a big pickup for the Indians. I'm excited about seeing him. Yeah, absolutely. I would be too. He's probably the guy for the Indians that I, I think the same way. I, I have a question for you, and you typically always ask ask questions on here. But um, is there a guy from the Indians that you're really surprised didn't make the the sixty person roster? Because there is one for the Reds. Um, yeah. Uh, he is a, and I. I had his name on the tip of my tongue. Go ahead and you tell me who it was on your your end, and I'll, I'll find the guy's name. The guy, the one for the Reds that was really surprised that everybody was really surprised wasn't a part of that. That I think the Reds announced fifty seven of their sixty, and the Indians announced fifty five of their sixty. But the one for the Reds was Derek Dietrich. Um, the fact that he wasn't on there is really surprising after the year he had last year. Now. That being said, his year was really hot and then ice, ice, ice cold. But he, he provides some some depth. He provides some flexibility. He can play second. He can play first. He can play both corner outfield spots. Um, and he's a he's he's kind of that that uh kind of spark plug kind of guy that they typically mm-hmm. you, a good team usually has a guy like him. Um, so he was the one for Cincinnati that everybody was really surprised. Now, um, Nick Kroll and uh, and Dick Williams both said Derek Dietrich is still very much with the organization. He could very easily be added to the roster at almost any point. Um, but as of right now, he is not with the team. I'm I'm going to throw out two two players at you. The one that I I couldn't recall his name, but now I do. It's Bobby Bradley. Uh, Bobby yep. Bradley is a first baseman, uh, has been, he's only 24 years old. Um, he's had basically a cup of coffee with the Indians. He played 15 games, 45 at bats in those 15 games. He hit one homer, had four RBIs. Um, for whatever reason, the Indians are just not sold on his production. But I, I got to tell you, in 647 games in the minor leagues over the last five years, Blake, the kids hit 147 home runs and driven in just shy of 500. So, That's I mean, he's, he's yeah, I mean, he's done a great job. He he bats left, he throws right. That That's exactly what they, they want out of a first baseman. I know they've got Santana there, but they've also got a spot in the order for the DH position. But the, he didn't even make the 60-man uh, roster. The other guy that I'm shocked that nobody has picked up. There's been a lot of rumors out there, and you'll remember this name, Puig. Nobody's picked him up yet. 
And I'm I'm shocked that the Indians haven't thrown an offer to him, uh, you know, for a few million dollars and, and plugged him in because uh, he played pretty well for the Indians. He played really well for the Reds, too, before the trade to the Indians for Bauer. Um, I was more impressed with Puig the more I got to see him, Blake, than what I had heard about him and the opportunities not to see him when he played for the Dodgers. Yeah, that's another one of those guys that's kind of that – that spark plug guy that it is a lot of energy. He's really good on a good team. He's really bad on a bad team. Yeah. And that's, that's really surprising that nobody's given him a shot yet. I think it'll come pretty soon now that we're getting back into camp. Um, the other thing I was really surprised with the Reds is there's only, they only invited, there's only one first baseman, but there is a non-roster invitee, Matt Davidson, but nobody thinks he's going to make the top 30 guys. Um, so by yeah, not because, bringing another first baseman, that, that limits Joey's ability to DH. That being said, Castellanos can play first. Mike Moustakis can play first. Yep. Josh Van Meter can play first. They've got a lot of guys that can play first base, but they're not first basemen. Yeah. Um, I really expected them to fu- try to find another guy that can really play that spot. Um, it'd be great if they could find one that hits right-handed to kind of platoon with Joey, and Joey can DH more. Um, to save his thirty now thirty six year old legs, but yeah, that really surprised me that there isn't another guy. The the thing about it is though, Blake, I have seen it happen in the past. Um, when you look at what has gone on with Castellanos, he's played a lot of games at first base. He is yeah, playing. Castellanos a- can really play first, third, and both corner outfield positions. Um, <clears throat> it's it. I, I'm looking over the Reds. 57 guys now, and there's really nobody in the group outside of the non-roster invitees that really surprises me um, that got the call. The one that another one that people thought might get the call because of this scenario, and it's only going to be a 60-game season. A lot of people thought Hunter Green might get a shot, um, maybe to be you know a, a late yeah. reliever down the stretch. Um, but he's throw. 147 miles an hour, it feels like. But he's, but he's coming, coming off, off that, yeah. Um, so that's that's one of the things that that, that uh, Nick Crawl said is that you know they're going to keep he's going to keep working, and with the roster flexibility, they can add a couple of guys. Yeah, I mean that that's the 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 one the one that really gets me is Tyler uh, Tyler Stevenson. They say he's got an opportunity to hit one of those three open spots. That That's kind of a surprise to me. Yeah, I mean, having a third catcher in one of those spots is really important um, if you if, if they're good enough to play. And it's not like, obviously, if they were playing a normal baseball season, Tyler Stevenson would catch every game at AAA because that's what you want him to do. You want him to play yep. games. Um, but because that's not going to be the case, putting him in one of those spots and letting him work with the big league guys as much as he can is a good thing. Um, it's probably the best case scenario for Tyler Stevenson this year. I, I will say this about the Korean League, though. I don't know if you saw this or not, but they were playing without fans. You know what they did? They took home plate. They took the seats behind home plate, and they filled them full of stuffed animals. And so it would look like there were people in the stands on TV. It was hilarious. But it seemed to work. There wasn't, you know, I mean, there wasn't any empty seats there. They were all filled with, with huge, you know, teddy bears and pandas and things like that. It, it was great. Um, I know, I know one of the, the Reds were one of the first teams 
that started inquiring about uh, covering those seats with advertisements um, as another, you know, revenue source. Obviously, if you're going to be doing games on TV, those those seats right behind home plate would be, you know, prime real estate for an advertiser. Probably cost a pretty penny, right? If you if you can work that out. Well, I'm looking at, like I said, the schedule has not come out yet. But the first game so far that Major League Baseball has announced, we told you, will be on July 23rd, which is a Thursday night, by the way, Washington and New York. Um, I'm guessing, Blake, that the Indians and Reds' first game will probably be the 25th, which is a Saturday. Um, I'm just guessing on that. I don't, I don't have any inside information or anything, but I'm guessing that's when their first game will be. Now, who it's going to be against, who knows? Hopefully it's against each other. You know, that wouldn't be a bad way to start it. Seriously, you're right, you know, and maybe the Cubs against the White Sox? Mm-hmm. A lot of those tr- non-traditional, traditional rivals. In the, and I know you're not going to get Yankees-Mets, but you think of Yankees-Mets, you think of you know, Nationals, Orioles, um, Reds, Indians, Dodgers, yeah. those would be some good ways to start it. Here, have you seen that, uh, I haven't seen the odds yet. Haven't seen the odds yet. But George Springer is the leadoff man for the Houston Astros. The They are taking bets on whether or not George Springer will be the first batter hit. I think it's going to be Jose Altuve. <laughs> Who bats third? Yeah, I think I think it'll be Jose Altuve. At least that's who I would hit. Are you, are you surprised that the players actually Are you surprised that the players actually Okay, we'll go ahead and play on that one. I was surprised how quickly they agreed to it. I'm not surprised they agreed to it because they didn't really have a choice. Um, based on the, you know, the agreement that was signed in March that they, they couldn't, they could fight it in court, but they were not going to win. Um, so I think that it was inevitable for them to sign the deal and admit to and publicly say they were going to be back when the league mandated them to be back. Um, but I was really surprised how quickly they said, yeah, we'll be there. It'll definitely be interesting to see just what happens in these 60 games because if if you recall, maybe you remember this, but back in uh, 84, the Tigers got off to a 35-5 and five start in the first 40 games. Boy, you get somebody that starts out like that, Blake, you can't beat them. Yeah, that's that's the crazy thing is we're going to see some stuff we've never seen before, which I think is kind of cool. Um, I think that's one of the reasons, and I don't know, I don't know for sure if they've said it or not, their exact plan for the expanded playoffs. Um, that's one of the reasons they're going to do that, I think, is because you're going to have teams get in. Like, what happens if the Pirates jump out to a 14 and one start? Everyone knows they're not the best team in the National League Central. <laughs> Every, like it, it might be the, fir- the they might be the worst roster in baseball. Um, Definitely the least expensive. If, right. If they jump out like that, it's um, 
then there's not you can't deny it, and they're likely not going to get caught. Um, right. So it's just it's just tough, man. It it's going to be one of those seasons that we watch, and yeah, they're gonna. They're, I go back to the same thing though, Blake. It's gonna be gonna be one of those seasons that we watch, and at the end of the day. Years down the road, you're still going to say, okay, yeah, so-and-so won the World Series, but it was only 60 games. Come on. I still think I've it's going to be. I've heard other people say that, too, and, and I just don't agree. I just, I, I, I don't, I mean, I think in five or six or seven years, if your t- if the Indians win the World Series in five years, you're going to say the Indians won the World Series in 2020. I don't think you're going to preface it at all. Now, other people whose team don't win does, but they'll find reasons and excuses to not give your team the benefit of the doubt every time. So it doesn't really matter. Um, I think, you know, as long as everybody's playing by the same rules and they all play the same amount of games, it, it might not be a perfect scenario, but the champion is the champion, period. End of story in my book. Okay, final question for this week's show. Has nothing to do with the Reds or the Indians. The Florence Yalls have come out and said they're going to play baseball. How in the world are they going to play baseball? I think the same way everybody else is, man. I think, you know, again, I'm at high school baseball type tournaments every weekend. If 17 year old kids can play, then grown men can play. If nine year olds can play, grown men can play. Figure it out. Now, I don't know how financially they're going to play baseball. I don't know how they're going to afford to pay players because they can't have fans in the stands. I don't know how they're going to afford to pay the lease on their property. I don't know any of those things. Um, that is, that part is crazy to me because they have no built in revenue stream. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the bigs are regardless of how many games major league baseball plays, they're going to set a record for TV money because people are clamoring for things to watch right now. Um, but minor league baseball. Now, if the Florence y'alls could have come back two months ago, when, you know, ESPN showing Korean baseball, I think ESPN would have rather showed, you know, independent baseball in America than Korean baseball. They might have had something to do there. But as far as I just don't know financially how it works for them. Um, we're obviously down there a lot. We're, we're pretty yeah. close with their, their management group. We play all of our home games there for the Mount. And uh, Josh Anderson, who's their general manager, is he's got some work to do to figure out how to do it. I don't know how it's going to work. My guess is they're not going to pay as much as they typically do. Um, they're obviously not going to play as many games. <clears throat> I, I wonder. Just, I, I don't. I don't know. I wonder if professional. And I, I say this lightly: the the minor league players in Major League Baseball, the the Instructional League and the single-A players, who aren't playing this year, by the way. Remember, Minor League Baseball's done. They're not playing. I wonder if they're allowed to go play for somebody like Florence or any other independent league. I would guess they're probably not because they're still under contract with their big teams, um, for most of them anyway. Obviously, there's the outliers who were, you know, that didn't have contracts going into this year. Um, here's an interesting thought though. I mean, and, and I'm sure some, some genius GM, probably Billy Bean, uh, along the, along the way has figured this out. The Reds could conceivably 
grant permission to Florence to allow Hunter Green to go down and pitch a couple of games? Yeah, absolutely they could. I don't think they will, but they could. But um, what I'm saying is you could circumvent this 60-man roster fairly easily if you're the Reds. Yeah, I think there's probably some some stipulation somewhere that say they can't do that. Um, they, these guys, when they write contracts, they, they think of friggin' everything. So, um, I would think, but even though minor league games aren't being played, those guys are still going to get work. Those guys are going to be at the spring training complex for semi spring training. Those guys are going to get, you know, BP every day and playing simulated games and they're going to get work and they're going to throw and they're going to have bullpens and all those things. So I, I don't know. And even though you have that taxi squad, I, there's got to be something built into if, you know, you got a 60 man roster, but what if you get 30 guys hurt? What's going to happen? Or you get a rash of coronavirus through your team. There's going to have to be an ability to tap into whatever else is in your system. So those guys are going to have to stay ready at some point. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know what that looks like. I, do, I doubt that happens. Um, but I can tell you if I was a, a big time or a, a independent owner, especially if I was in a small town, I'd be reaching out to every player that has big league experience that the name you might recognize to see if I could get them to come play for my kick a pig ponies or whatever my team's called. Yeah. Um, the, because like, just think if you could get Yasiel Puig to play for an independent team, like how much pub and stuff that could get you might help you recoup some money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that's something I would think about. But as far as guys under contract, I highly doubt that happens. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. Next week we can talk primarily about the Reds and the Indians and what they've done because I think they're going to be playing some uh, – I, I know they're not going to be playing any spring training games, so to speak, but there's going to be a lot of uh, inter-squad scrimmages that are going on and they'll be played like real baseball games with the umpires. They've already said that's going to happen. So hopefully we'll get to see some numbers and get to see some film on some of these guys that are going to be the, uh, competing for teams. The other quickly interesting thing, and I obviously we live in Cincinnati, so I hear more about the Reds than anybody yeah. else, but I don't know if other teams are doing this, but the Reds have actually done something else really smart, and they're splitting their camp up. A lot they're of teams are. half of the guys – go to the big league ballpark and half of them are going to Frasco park in Mason and they're splitting them up by position and by work groups. And so you're not going to have all four second basemen at one of the parks. They're one of four up two will be at one park, two will be at the other to kind of set it up to where when they play each other, they're a little bit different. Yep. And I think, I think that's another really smart thing. And Prasco Park is absolutely gorgeous if you've never seen it. It is. Yeah. It, it, it is very, very nice up there. The Indians are doing the same thing. And the other spot that they're going to be going into is East Lake, uh, which obviously is east of Cleveland. So, uh, it doesn't take a, uh, a map genius to figure that one out. But nonetheless, yeah, they're, they're going to be doing the same thing. I'm not sure what Chicago is doing because there's, there's not a lot of ballparks in the Chicago area. If you've ever been up there, there's more basketball courts than there is ballparks. Yeah, there's probably they'll probably utilize some college facilities or something like that. Yeah, um, that that could be something very positive for them. But yeah, DePaul, I don't know. It's just, it's just another interesting thing of the way this is working. It's kind of cool. DePaul's got a nice one. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
Greg used to uh, live down by DePaul. They've got a great women's softball field that they also it also doubles, believe it or not, as a lacrosse field and soccer. And then they they turn around and they've got a, an outstanding baseball field, which is right around the block. I mean, it's just gorgeous. But anyway, so we'll be able to talk about some players next week and maybe what's going to happen. And hopefully by that time, Blake, we should have a schedule around where we'll know when the Indians and Reds are going to open up and who they play. That'll be nice. It's really nice not to end this show with the con- the con- question we've had every week is who I think they're going to play. Because finally, my optimism has paid off. Yeah, yours did. I, I was optimistic until last week, and then I thought, you know, well, all right, I'll say no. I did. I'm wrong. I admit it. Whatever. Let's play ball. It is difficult being right all the time. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> all right, Blake, we'll talk to you next week, okay? All right, Dave. You have a good week. Buddy. You too. That's going to do it for Who tonight's is? show. Me Thanks a lot for joining us here this evening on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. It's going to be fun seeing what happens between next week and the week coming up, especially when we'll find out what the roster is going to be and what the schedule is going to be for the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. For Blake Watson, I'm Dave Mitchell. Until next Monday night at 7 o'clock, thanks for joining us here this evening. We'll see you next week. Have a good week, everybody.